and the late harvest will impact on next year's crops as well. So it's going to be really a two-year whammy that we're suffering now. And every time you get a mill of rain on sodden soil that's not drying out in between, you might as well have an inch. Yes, this week we're talking about the weather and the rain over the last few weeks. The weather is is something that we can't control and and as much as it's frustrating and as much as it's really annoying and it is definitely affecting our bank balance now, there's nothing we can do about it. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. We'll have detailed weather towards the end of the programme as ever, but we start not with the forecast, but with what's gone already. Rain, rain and more rain. Over the Easter weekend, some areas saw as much rain as would normally fall in an entire month. Andrew Ward farms at Lednam. I went to see him on Wednesday inside his office. We'd have got wet if we'd been outdoors, Andrew. We will, will definitely, Sean. It's, uh, it's just stopped raining for about the fourth time uh, today. We have had another three millimetres today on top of the, the sort of 42 or three millimetres we've had already since Tuesday. That's a week ago. And uh, we are seriously behind with everything. We've got a little bit of drilling done uh, on the heath, on the light land, and we've got the fertiliser is on everything, uh, but that's probably in the Witham now and out in the North Sea. Um, but uh, it's, one of, it's one of these things. The weather is, is something that we can't control, and, our, and as much as it's frustrating and as much as it's really annoying and it is definitely affecting our bank balance now, there's nothing we can do about it. And, and I'm, I'm quite um, relaxed in a way that it's out of our control. Mm. We cannot control the weather at all and I just think why why worry and stress and make yourself poorly uh, about something that you can't control there are so many other things we can control and we can deal with and uh, we're sat in the office now that, that there's lots in here that you can control lots of costs and lots of things to look at um, but yeah it is it is seriously frustrating compared to where we were this time last year of course, you've been through this before. I mean, what, 2012 was the last time it was this week, yeah. we think? Yeah, yeah it, it was. I, I, I've uh, been keeping rainfall records now for probably 21 or two years. And, and you're right, 2012 was the, uh, the wettest year I've had on record. And in that year, we had 1,040 millimetres in the whole year, when our yearly average here is about 620. And in that year, April was a, was a horrendous month, but we actually did manage to get all our crops in the ground previous to the rain, unlike this year. And in April 2012, we had 192 millimetres. But, as I say, the crops were in the ground. And the problem we've got now is the soils are so heavy uh, and so wet, I mean, that they're like a sponge. You know, when a sponge is full of water, it won't absorb anymore. And the soil is like, like it is now. It's just like that. And that's why we have water stood all over. You say, obviously, you know, it's not, not worth getting stressed about, but you must be, I mean, there must be a concern. The crops aren't in the ground yet, and they need to be. They, they do, and, and you're quite right. There is a concern, and now we are, what are we now, you know, in, well into April now, first few days in April, and there's no doubt crops are, are yield is dropping. Sugar beet needs to be in the ground definitely by the end of, uh, end of March, and uh, spring crops, spring barley, spring wheat that we've got to put in the ground, oats as well, all needs to be in the ground. And once you get into April, then you are definitely losing yield. But on top of that, the other thing is crops need to go in well. So it's no point in, in, in mauling them in, as we say, and forcing them into wet soil because they simply won't do well. So, but, you know, the soils are so wet now, we have to let them dry out. So it is that balance in, in letting the soils dry out enough, but at the same time looking at date 
and thinking, right, the longer we go on, the more yield we're losing. And then, of course, we're impacting on next harvest. The crops actually are coming out the winter looking really well. I'm quite, quite pleased with how they're looking. We haven't got any water stood on any fields. Even after that huge rainfall we had in very you know, short time, few hours on Sunday, we haven't got any water stood anywhere, which shows that the system we're using is working. And, and we have a lot of spring crops, as you know, on the farm to deal with black grass and help us with our other weed issues. And um, to enable us to have um, spring crops on heavy soil that we've got here, we have to cultivate the soil uh, very early in the summer. So we cultivate a lot of these soils in August when the weather is still very, very um, warm and dry and the soils are dry. And so that is really, really beneficial to us. But we got our nitrogen on, um, as I say, um, on the crops um, a week ago and the fields are looking really well. And I was quite surprised a week ago when I did walk on the, on the heavy fields that we had to put the spring crops in. They weren't, this was before the rain, they weren't as wet underneath as I thought they would be. And I thought another few days we'll be going. But of course now with this weather, you know, we, we won't be. But it's surprising. We've got longer days now, haven't we? Um, we've got, um, soils are going to be warming up. So uh, hopefully this, when the rain does stop, it, it will not be quite so long to dry as we think. But I still don't think within the next 10 days we're going to be on these fields. But at the minute, crops are looking well. However, you know, the rain is going to impact on this next summer's harvest. Harvest will be late because of, the, uh, of this weather. And so therefore, because the weather crops aren't in the ground, we're not going to have such a good harvest. And the late harvest will impact on next year's crops as well. So it's going to be really a two-year whammy that we're suffering now. Andrew Ward there, and I know many of you are facing similar problems. Even when the sun is shining, the ground itself is just so wet. Uh, let's say good morning to Sean Sparling, our agronomist. Morning, Sean. What are you advising? Yes, good morning, Sean. And I can say that with my hand on my heart and a clear conscience, it is a good morning. It's the first time for about 40 days I've been able to say it, but it's a clear blue sky. The sun's out. It's warm. We had a frost last night, but things are improving. And you look at how this year has started, and it explains why we're in the mess we're in today and that is I've taken 174 millimetres of rain so far this year March I had 64 mil of rain but there were people less than 10 miles from me who had 100 mils of rain and it's not how wet it is it's how dry it isn't the reason that makes sense is because if we'd had 64 mil of rain in the first three days of March and then it had come dry and warm, we would have been drilling by the 15th of March. As it was, I only took four days without any rain at all in March because we had 6 mil, 2 mil, 1 mil, half a mil, 2 mil, 3 mil. And every time you get a mil of rain on sodden soil that's not drying out in between, you might as well have an inch. That's why we're in the position we're in. And looking at some of these fields which are down to come spring wheat, spring barley, peas, beans, linseed, potatoes, sugar beet and all the vegetables and the forage crops and the alternative crops, the millets and the canary seeds, they all have to go in in reasonable condition. Spring barley, you cannot maul spring barley in. It won't respect you for it and it will not yield if you do that. Spring wheat is even more complicated because I believe we are now at the turning point as to whether it's actually worth drilling at all. Because if you think we're going to need five or six days of good, drying, windy, warm weather so we can get on these fields in order to start thinking about drilling them, you take that's taking you into the middle of April. And experience shows that it'll go through the motions, it It'll look okay, you'll get the harvest, and it simply will not yield. And if you're going to need three tonnes of spring wheat per acre, 
to cover the costs of establishment and drilling and herbicides, fungicides, insecticides, trace elements, nitrogen, phosphate, potash, combining, drying costs. If you need three tonnes per acre to cover that and you only get two or one and a half tonnes per acre, it wasn't worth drilling it in the first place. Because once it's in the ground, you've committed to it. You have to look after it. Um, you have to feed it and you have to look after it from a disease point of view. So for me, spring wheat, I think we've gone past the tipping point. I think it's too late for spring wheat if you take everything into account. Spring barley, slightly more flexible, maybe another 10 days or so on spring barley. But again, yields will be down on what you would normally expect them to be. Um, spring beans, we're getting there as well with spring beans. Another couple of weeks, even that might be a little bit too long because they're not going to go into the ground well. Peas don't want to go into wet feet. You don't want wet feet with peas or beans because you'll get fusarium foot rot. They don't like that. It, it's going to ruin the yield. Um, sugar beet, it likes to go into a fine firm seed bed if you think back to your college days. Well, the chances of getting that at the moment are pretty slim. However, sugar beet, linseed, they will stand being drilled a bit later. Peas, they'll stand being drilled that little bit later. But the knock-on effect is going to be the lateness of the harvest. Now, if you take the oilseed rate, takes 12 weeks from first flowers to desiccation. We're looking at a late harvest where we're going to be into August before we're thinking about desiccating some of these fields because they're three or four weeks away, some of them, from starting to flower. So I think decisions have to be made between agronomist and growers sit down, think about your costs, think about what it's going to cost you. If it's going to cost you more to grow than you're going to get back, don't put it in the ground. It really is as simple and straightforward as that. Break even, take the single farm payment, put it down to experience and, and learn by not making a mistake, if you like. So actual crops which are in the ground, winter wheat, the septoria is flourishing out there in the field. It's really spreading about. It likes this wet weather, the windy weather that's coming with it. So T0, get that protectant on. And there's a thing as well, if you're delayed with that T0 fungicide, include it with your T1 fungicide, but under no circumstances put a T0 on and then think you've got three or four weeks before you need to think about T1. In a season like this where conditions are so difficult, you need to prioritise two main treatments and make sure you get them as close to well-timed as you can. That's the T1 when leaf 3 emerges and the T2 when the flag leaf emerges. If you can time and, and aim channel your efforts into making sure those two timings are as close as you can get them, whether depending that is what's going to pay your dividend. What we learnt from the last really wet season, which was 2012, which incidentally, at this time of that year, we'd already got everything drilled and we thought we were standing on, on, the, uh, on the precipice of a fantastic harvest. And then it started raining now and it was a disaster. So it doesn't really matter what's in, what's not in. Everything that matters is all about what the weather does from here on in and none of us can tell you what's going to happen. But in 2012 we learned a very valuable lesson and that is throwing money at a problem does not solve the problem. Throwing fungicides, extra fungicides, extra passes with the sprayer little and often, it's not the right way to do it. Don't spend money you can't justify and don't just do it for the sake of doing it. Timing is everything when it comes to fungicides. And with oilseed rape, 
pollen beetle. I haven't seen a single pollen beetle out there in the field, but remember your thresholds. We have them for a reason. It's to protect the predators and it's to protect the population of pollen beetle, which will help us pollinate the crop once they start to flower. So if you've got up to 30 plants a square meter, your pollen beetle threshold is 25 per plant. If you've 30 to 50 plants a square meter, your threshold drops to 18. If you've got 50 to 70 plants per square meter, your threshold drops further to 11 pollen beetle a plant. And if you're above 70 plants a square meter, your threshold is seven pollen beetles per plant. I really do think they made it so complicated so that by the time you've worked it out, you're too late and the, the flowers are there. But just finding the odd pollen beetle does not justify the application of an insecticide because there's a lot of beneficials in there. Oilseed rake produces 60% uh, more buds than it ever turns into pods. So you do have some flexibility. And it's going to be a very, very difficult, challenging, untidy, dirty mucky and above all stressful spring so my advice is think about what you're doing make the right decisions if you possibly can with as many people around you as you can and if it's starting to get you down for goodness sake talk to somebody don't just bottle it up and deal with it talk to your friends ring people up and discuss it because getting that problem out does help trust me um, we mustn't have anybody falling underneath the wheels at this stage just because of a bit of wet weather. Um, farming doesn't get much more complicated than this, but uh, that's why we do it. Uh, it would be boring if it was easy. Thank you, Sean. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. We're focusing, understandably, on the weather this week. You don't need me to tell you it hasn't been good. Uh, what effect has it had on lambing? John Duggleby farms near Driffield. He says friends of his are worried. Well, I have one or two farmers that are very concerned because their grassland that these young lambs and, and uh, mothers should be out in the green fields, uh, you know, producing milk for the lambs and things, those fields are flooded because of this disaster. Uh, if you put them all in a shed and, and uh, put them tight together, uh, you get disease and stuff like that. And for mastitis and stuff like this is, is, is happening. So it is a big worry to these people with sheep. And, uh, you know, if they've been lamb for four weeks, six weeks, five weeks, uh, you know, they're not doing very well. That's the views of John Duggaby. Tom Wells farms near Brake. How have you been uh, finding things, Tom? Yeah, a little bit challenging. It's not been as bad for us as most people, um, to be fair. I mean, we started lambing on the 13th of March, and so it was at the point where we knew there was something coming in. And, uh, yeah, there was a big snow came in on the 18th of March, about three weeks ago. And, yeah, uh, luckily we were kind of knew it was coming and kept the lambs in up till that point. And they were about 11 days old when they went out, so they're a bit later. But, yeah, it's uh, caused a few challenges with that. And, and how has lambing been generally for you? It's not been so bad, actually, to be fair. Um, yeah, losses have been pretty low, um, kind of where they normally would be. I think we've been pretty lucky with the way that our kind of lambing has, has come so that we sort of knew the web where it was coming and then we kept them in a bit longer. I was quite worried about the infectious diseases, um, keeping them in for a bit longer. Normally we'd turn them out at three to four days old. We're keeping them in kind of 11 days. But thankfully, it's not been too bad. We've put quite a bit of lime down and, and keep uh, putting a fresh straw on. So, yeah, thankfully, being all right in touch with us, still a few to go and I see my right now. But, yeah, it's uh, it's been sort of one to one a bit of a challenge and not quite sure how it would go. And I think we've kind of fared um, all right, considering. How, how does it compare to previous years? I think probably, yeah, probably kind of 
similar numbers but more difficult for for the general lambing. Um, grass is probably the biggest issue, really. I think for us, the lambing hasn't been too bad, but grass to turn them out onto has probably been the major challenge. There just isn't really anything there. and So we're creep feeding at the minute, uh, hoping to get them away well, within the next sort of few months because hopefully the land price will stay up as it is and at least that's something that the land price is up a bit and where it has been before so we can't afford to put a bit of creep into because there just isn't a lot of grass there for them to feed on really. Also you've been celebrating recently you won the um, the Lincolnshire Agri Business Academy competition tell us about that. Yeah so this was a competition that we did as part of the Fresh Start Agri Business Academy for Lincolnshire and um, yeah so there was Teams of two. My partner was my fiancée, Lizzie, who was amazing and instrumental in it and um, basically involved putting together a 23-page business plan that included feasibility studies, so your SWOT analysis, your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, looking at different ideas and, and then doing a viability study and looked at a few other ideas. And um, It was a, well, it was based on Robert Borrell's farm, A.M. Um, Borrell's son at Hibblestow, so it was a real-life scenario that we used and um, then presented back with a 10 minute presentation to the judges there was represented from Barclays and Fisher German so uh, yeah it was really good really good actually found a lot from the sessions it was really good um, program to be on I think it was even even more kind of rewarding that we did it as a, a couple as well really. I think it was quite a nice thing to sort of share between us and the whole thing really we've got quite a lot out of it there's been 11 sessions that run about every fortnight, um, every other week, and gone from November to March. And, yeah, it's just been something that's been really great to get involved with. We've looked at diversification, raising capital, producing business plans. So, yeah, it was brilliant. A broad spectrum of people as well. So there was some people who haven't had anything to do with agriculture, some people who've been in agriculture for quite a while, as other people at different stages. So, yeah, good kind of alumni people going forward who kind of, bouncing ideas off as well and we're already passing ideas around on the Facebook group as well so it's a good group of people who found it really useful. Excellent, well congratulations on that and uh, thanks for yeah. talking to us that's great. Yeah, no problem, thank you. Right, on to the latest grain prices then, the weather here and overseas affecting things no doubt what's the latest, Rebecca Pierce. Morning Sean, I hope everyone had a good Easter weekend aside from the weather I can't not mention it, I've had so many conversations this week about the rain I think we've all well and truly experienced April showers According to Google, the average monthly rainfall in the UK for April is 58 mil. I'll leave that there because I know so many that have received a lot more than that and we're not even halfway through. Whilst this weather is certainly frustrating for everyone and continuing to delay spring land work, it hasn't been all doom and gloom this week as the UK wheat market continues to firm. London wheat futures have firmed this week since the trade returned after the bank holiday weekend. There continues to be a strong demand for feed wheat in the north of the UK and those closest to these consumers are able to achieve the highest values at the farm gate with some areas in North Yorkshire achieving near £155 a tonne ex-farm for April movement. Premiums on milling wheat continue to erode as the feed base strengthens, with many farmers now opting to market low-grade group 1s and 2s and hard biscuit wheat just as straight feed. Unless you can be sure you have full specification milling wheat, it just isn't worth the risk when premiums are as little as £5 a tonne at best. 
New crop wheat markets remain relatively unchanged on the week. The latest USDA issued before the Easter weekend increased the carryout into harvest 2018. And whilst the latest crop conditions report from America sees the percentage of their winter wheat crop ranked good to excellent at 32% versus 51% this same time last year, more favourable weather over the past few weeks is helping to improve their outlook. This week's report should see the first indications on the spring wheat planting numbers, which the trade will be watching closely. Old crop feed barley remains a good trade, although some compounders have now started to reduce it in their rations, giving more barley offered than actual buyers this week, causing values at the farm gate to ease slightly. As we look to new crop barley values, and with many yet to begin planting, new crop feed prices continue to be supported, with £130 a tonne ex-farm pre-Christmas available in most areas. There's been a lot of noise this week of the ongoing trade war between the US and China, and in particular the inclusion of agricultural commodities on China's retaliatory tariff list. With China not importing large values of US corn or wheat, the primary focus has been around soybeans, which have been up and down like a roller coaster this week. Fundamentally for the UK old crop oilseed rate market, with a firmer pound against the euro, gains made on the French market are capped by the strength of our currency, and domestically, our values at the farm gate are struggling to push any higher. The oilseed rate crushers in the UK continue to believe there is an ample supply on farm and in store, and with an estimated carryout of circa 200,000 tonnes, buyers are yet to show their hand to chase this market any higher. Let's have a look at prices now. April feed wheat is trading around 146 to 153 pounds a ton ex farm with a small carry going forward. New crop feed wheat for harvest off combine is circa 136 to 143 pounds a ton with a pound per ton per month carry through to November where values are circa 140 to 147 pounds a ton ex farm. As I mentioned earlier, premiums on Group 1 milling wheat are max £5 a tonne and are area dependent. Feed barley prices are still strong, trading around £140 to £146 a tonne ex-farm, with new crop feed barley around £120 to £127 a tonne off-combine. Oilseed rate values are around £285 a tonne for April, with a pound per tonne per month going forward with values off combine circa £275 a tonne, with a strong carry through to November, where values are £285 a tonne, ex-farm. All right. Thank you, Rebecca. I believe it's somebody special's birthday today. Yeah, I must say a very happy birthday to my dad. Grand old age of 56. Happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday, Graham. (laughs) And thank you, Rebecca Pierce at Open Field. We've talked a lot about the weather today, certainly the rain that's already fallen. Is there more to come, though? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. In a word, yes. Uh, it's not a good week, I'm afraid. Some uh, further rain to come through today. We're looking at highs of around nine Celsius. Depends where you are. You might be lucky. You might escape it. The wind from the north-northeast at about 10 miles an hour. Drier overnight tonight. That wind from the north at about 10 miles an hour. Lows of six. And then a drier day tomorrow. Maybe a shower in places. Highs of 11. That wind more from the east-northeast. 15 miles an hour. Dry at first overnight Monday into Tuesday, but some rain could be heavy for a time first thing on Tuesday morning. The wind from the east, 15, gusting at 25 miles an hour, looking at lows of around 7. And then dry during the day on Tuesday, but further rain to come Tuesday into Wednesday. Daytime highs of 15, the wind continuing from the east, 15 to 25 miles an hour. 
As I say, particularly wet at the moment to start Wednesday. Could be some very heavy rain uh, through Wednesday itself. That could change. We're just watching exactly where that rain is going to fall. Uh, we're looking at daytime highs of a cooler 7 Celsius for the middle of the week. Windy as well from the northeast, 15 miles an hour, gusting at 30 for a time. And then the latter end of the week, it looks a little bit calmer, a little bit cooler as well, actually. Highs of around 6 Celsius, overnight lows of around 4. But it should be mostly dry once that uh, spell of wet weather has drifted through on Wednesday. We will keep a check on that, as ever, with the hourly forecasts. That is the forecast for the moment, anyway. And that's it for uh, another week's farming. Next week, uh, we'll have a bit more from Andrew Ward as he finds out how a former leader of the Green Party got on during a visit to his farm. Yes, there are bad farmers out there still that aren't doing things for nature and, and the countryside and the environment. But there's an awful lot of farmers now are doing things. And a lot of bird number declines have reversed. And we have got a huge number of birds on this farm now. Songbirds I'm talking about. Um, we've got six and eight metre flower margins around every field which is helping enormously and yeah we do have um, sort of disagreements and discussions on Twitter as you know some of them do get quite heated but I always end up if the person I'm engaging with and I'm talking to can't see or understand what I'm trying to say I do invite them onto the farm and I think we need to do more of that and I think that is a hugely beneficial thing and I did have, uh, in January, I had Natalie Bennett, who was the ex-leader of the, of the Green Party two or three years ago. She came and had seven hours on the farm here. And it was great. You know, she went away saying that there are still differences and there are areas that we won't agree on. But there was actually more common ground, she said, than what, what, what she thought there would be. So if anybody listening sees any offers of, of farm visits on, on Twitter, whether it's from me or anybody else, please do take them up because we are opening our doors to the public and we'll quite happily show them what we're doing to help the environment and help wildlife and nature. We've nothing to hide and we'll show anybody whatever they want to see. More on all that next week. Until then, have a good week's farming.